When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, everyone, and welcome to a Tuesday edition of the Orange and Brown Talk podcast, the Hey Mary Kay edition of the podcast where our Football Insider subscribers submit questions. We answer them. Let's just start here, Mary Kay. This is Robert from Ponte Vedra, Florida, by way of Cleveland, Ohio. I feel like we haven't heard from Robert in a little while. while. Maybe I'm wrong. Uh, But he says, Hey, Mary Kay, in the infamous words of Bill Parcells, you are what your record says you are. The Browns are a mediocre two and two against less than mediocre opponents. Do they have a media? Do they have a mediocre roster playing to their potential, or is it the coaching? It's a great question, Robert. Robert always asks great questions. So nice to hear from you again, Robert. Uh, right now, I think it is um, all of the above in some ways. When I look to the loss to the Falcons. I've been thinking a lot about it since yesterday, and I attribute it to a lot of different things, none of which are the decision to go for it on fourth and three from the four on the first drive. There are so many other things that happened in that game to cause them to lose this football game that I just don't think that that had everything to do with it. Uh, I do think that right now, uh, Jacoby Brissett is what he is. And Dan deserves some credit for just kind of keeping that in perspective over the last few weeks when he was really exceeding expectations. Uh, I think Dan was trying to say, you know, there's going to come a time when he's going to regress where he, when he's going to look more like Jacoby Brissett, who, you know, we've seen throughout his career. Uh, and I think that happened yesterday. I really do. I think that Jacoby had uh, his worst game since the opening game against the Panthers I think they were very lucky, lucky to win that game. I think the fact that the officials picked up that flag on the spike and the fact that Cade York nailed a 58-yard field goal enabled them to win that game. So, you know, we've talked about this before. I mean, these guys could be, you know, they could be any combination of four games uh, that you want to say, depending on what could have happened at the end of all of these games. So I think that... um, I think that Jacoby struggled yesterday. I think that had a lot to do with it. I think the fact that Miles Garrett and Jadavian Clowney were not in that game had a whole lot to do with it, regardless of what anybody says. I mean, when you take your two star defenders off the field and suddenly two backup running backs are uh, just running roughshod all over you in the second half of the game, I think there's a reason for that. So, um, And then coaching. Yeah, there are some no coaching decisions are ever going to be perfect. Um, But I don't think it was a a game that was horribly called yesterday. I didn't think it was horribly called. I, you know, people want to, you know, rip Kevin Stefanski when he tries things like, you know, a tight end reverse or a flea flicker screen or things like that. But I recall last season when everybody was up in arms because he wasn't doing anything creative and everything was so bland and, they didn't do this and they didn't do that. So um, I think I think a lot of times it comes down to execution. 
And I think that I think the Atlanta Falcons executed their game plan better than the Browns did yesterday. Yeah, I mean, I think so. It, the question was kind of presented as a, as an either or, and I don't know that I agree that either is like I don't think this is a mediocre roster, and I still believe in this coaching staff. But at the same time, but I don't know. I guess that's why it's disappointing because you know our texter is right. The Browns are two and two against Baker Mayfield, Joe Flacco, Mitch Trubisky, and Marcus Mariota, and that's. That's something's something's off. I don't know if it's just the quarterback play, but then again, I mean, you've got two really great weeks from Jacoby Brissett and I, you know, like, like we've been saying, he is who he is, but you can win with Jacoby Brissett. I think we've seen that in, in other places, you know, at least for a short, for a short stretch, you can win with Jacoby Brissett. And so I don't know. It just feels like these first four games, there's something something's off. I, I don't know what it's not like the the fire alarms that were going off last year, but there, there's something amiss. If you go two and two against the schedule, you know what you can win with Jacoby Brissett when he's playing well, he has yeah. been inconsistent so far. He's played what I would consider to be two bad games. Uh, one that he pulled out of victory and he's played two good games. So, you know, and one that they blew and lost. So I just think that he has been up and down and inconsistent. But when I look at that game yesterday, some of those poor throws are standing out in my mind. That screen pass to Kareem Hunt. Yes, he was under pressure. He was under duress. Uh, but somehow, I don't know. And, it, you know, it wouldn't have been easy. Uh, but somehow, some way, you know, maybe you can get a better pass off there. When, when I look at the pick, I've been I've been looking at this today. I've watched it a few different times. I really think that he completely missed. I know that he did. He missed an open Dearness Johnson right over the middle. Dearness Johnson was at about the, um, the Falcons 46. And then they would have needed about six yards after the catch to, um, you know, to get Cade York to the 40. Even if you got four of those, you could still line up and at least try to kick a field goal, uh, a 60-yard field goal, if you absolutely had to. We saw him make one of 61. Now, now there was no pressure on him or anything like that, but we saw a 61 in pregame warmups. So not ideal, but that would have been much better than throwing a desperation heave into triple coverage with a gaggle of defenders around David Bell uh, that you knew was probably going to have a chance to get picked off. That was an ill-advised throw. He missed Harrison Bryant wide on a crucial clutch third and seven. That ended up resulting in uh, them going down and kicking the game-winning field goal. Now, of course, it didn't help matters that the defense gave up a huge pass play on that game-winning field goal drive. But still, if you hit Harrison Bryant on that third and seven, you're probably not in that situation. or You might not be in that situation. So I just think, I just think he, was, he was off. Uh, even as you know, too, Joel Batonio's il ineligible man downfield, a result of just hesitating on the screen to Kareem Hunt on that play. So it just seemed to me one thing after another. And there are times when you need your quarterback to win the game for you, or at least be a huge part of why you won the game. And he was not that yesterday. Now, again, you know, I've pinned a lot of this on Miles Garrett and Jadavian Clowney being out, but they still had the ball in their hands 
in their possession, two minute drill, 228 left, ball at the 25. You need to go, you need to travel 35 yards to get Cade York to the 40. And they could not do that. Okay. You've got to be able to get that in that two minute situation. And that's why, you know, when I hear people talk about, well, do you think Jacoby Brissett's still going to be the quarterback when Deshaun Watson comes? No, he's not. <laughs> like, he's not. Um, but yeah, I, you know, yes, they can win with Jacoby Brissett when he plays well. They, they can't win with him when he plays like this. And let me just quote a statistic really quickly. He was two for nine. I don't have it in front of me, but I think I have this right. Two for nine when pressured for 17 yards and one touchdown. That's a 22.2 completion percentage and one pick. So two for nine under pressure yesterday. It was not pretty at all. So the, you mentioned the Dearness Johnson play, and you're right, because I watched that play. Um, you know, we have, we have text threads going with Lance Reisland where we'll pick his brain and ask him stuff. And, and you were asking the stuff about that play. You noticed Dearness Johnson was open. And to me, <laughs> that's why there's so many layers to this. One of my first thoughts is, wait a minute. Dearness Johnson, and I had to go back and watch, and I can't figure out. Like, I love Dearness Johnson. I think he's he's awesome. Great story. He's been good when they've asked him to to come in and start. I don't know why Dearness Johnson is on the field in that moment. Mm-mm. And and this is similar to Baltimore last year. That's was it Sunday? Was it a, the Sunday night game? Yeah. And they had a key series, and it wasn't Nick Chubb on the field. It was Dearness Johnson, and you know, there was some pushback like, well, he's your third down back. He's this, he's like, that would be like if, if the Cavs in game seven put LeBron James and Kyrie Irving on the bench and their most important possessions, <laughs> you know, like th- mm-hmm. those are little coaching things I don't understand. And I just feel like we can't make excuses for this team. Like they need to beat the Atlanta Falcons when Corderell Patterson barely plays and they, they didn't do it. And you saw the Falcons say our quarterback stinks today. So we're just going to run the ball on 14 straight plays. Mm-hmm. And I, I just, I don't understand. I'm, I'm not like, Hey, just run the ball at all costs guy. You know, I understand passing is more efficient. I, I get that, but there are times when I just think, and, and he did it against Pittsburgh and it worked. There are times when I think Kevin Stefanski could benefit from just saying, you know what? I'm not getting the quarterback play I need. And I've got, maybe the best running back in football and Kareem hunt and a great offensive line. So we're just going to run it right at you guys and dare you to stop us. Well, you do have to make adjustments. And if it's not halftime adjustments, then maybe you have to make fourth quarter adjustments because Jacoby Brissett actually played fairly well in the first half. Um, Aside from, you know, that failed first drive where, I still don't really exactly quite know what he was thinking on that pass to David Njoku. I mean, I I still feel like we need to ask him, like, are you sure you knew that it was fourth (laughs) down? Because it was just a curious thing to do. Um, You know, did the ball just get away from you? What, like, what exactly happened there? Um, But for the most part, he played okay in the first half. He actually had a rating over 100 and he, his completion percentage was, was really good. And, and he was making some plays in the first half against the 27th ranked pass defense. So I think they kind of stuck with it uh, in, instead of, 
like instead of really riding the Nick Chubb train uh, to a victory the way they they probably could have. Um, so yeah, it just um, you know it just they they just did not make the right adjustments in game the same way that the Falcons did. I mean, the Falcons, you know, they did, they realized, Hey, like you said, our quarterback does not have it today and we're going to do something different. And in fact, their running back didn't have it either. He was injured. He went on injured reserve today. <laughs> right. So they, you know, quarter Patterson went on injured reserve. So they went to their reserves. They went to their backups and they just said, we are going to get this done. Uh, but I just think yesterday was a, a combination of a lot of things, but you can cover up a lot of ills with really good quarterback play in the clutch. You can. You can over overcome poor defensive performances. We've seen that this season with teams, you know, like a, a lot of teams have, have done that. Your defense does not necessarily have to be amazing if you can pull the game out with good offense and good quarterback play. And they, they I just feel like uh, that had a lot to do with it. He, you know, he was just off. And, um, and they could not, they could not pull it together. And, and, uh, Joel Batonio struggled a little bit in, you know, trying to hold off Grady Jarrett at key times. He gave up that, that sack on the two minute drive that, uh, the eight yard sack there. And, um, yeah, so I think it was just a combination of, of a bunch of different things, but, um, you know, this is why you go out and try to get the good, really good quarterback. Okay. The Pope in Fremont, California, he agrees with you, and and I also agree that going for it on fourth and three on the first drive wasn't the issue. So uh, he says, hey, Mary Kay, the next goal line series, Kevin Stefanski's calls were terrible when you have Chubb and Hunt or even have Jacoby run it in on the one yard line early in the early in the series. Is it time for Kevin Stefanski to consider relinquishing play calling? I knew these questions were going to come up after yesterday. So the Pope is the one who posed it. A few people actually posed it, uh, but I'm, I'm using the Pope in Fremont, California to ask the question. Uh, is, is Kevin Stefanski, a, a few other people said, wrote it as, is he in over his head calling plays and coaching as well? That, that was sort of the theme of what our texters were asking. You know, I don't think so. I mean, I think as we move throughout this whole entire season and we see how it goes for the rest of the season and how it goes when Deshaun Watson comes back. Uh, although I do believe there will be an adjustment period to him. The, this coaching staff is going to have to figure out what he is going to do well with this particular set of skill players in this particular offense. So what we've seen Deshaun do really well before might not exactly translate and be what he does really well in this offense. And that might take a couple of weeks to figure out. And obviously we know they don't have a lot of time when he comes back, he's got to hit the ground running. He's got to start winning right away. If they want to have a chance to make the playoffs, if they even still have a chance to make the playoffs at that time. But for right now, no, I'm not ready for Kevin Stefanski to give up the play calling. I'm not ready for Joe Woods to be fired. I just think that, this is in the name of football right now. There are some, I mean, I'm telling you right now, if Jacoby Brissett, let's just say Jacoby Brissett um, pulled out that two minute drill yesterday, which it would like if he saw it, Dearness Johnson there and hit him and they, they were able to get Cade York. And, and if, if they could have pulled out that victory, nobody's talking about Kevin Stefanski's play calling and it would not have changed. 
it would not have, you know, you don't get to go back and recall all those plays in the first three quarters just because then you won the game and now people uh, like it. I mean, no, it would have been the same play calling all the way through. When you win the game, the play calling is fine. When you lose the game, you want to fire the coach. I just think it's almost like an overreaction type of situation. And I mean, I still think that they are a receiver, a veteran receiver short. I, I do still think that. I've, I've long thought that. I mean, they are relying on young guys that are still growing up. Now, David Bell made some nice catches yesterday. He really did. And that was encouraging. Once again, remember, they were working against the 27th ranked pass defense. So you cannot necessarily say, oh, this is, you know, this is what he's going to look like against every pass defense. But it was an encouraging performance by the rookie receiver. Um, but yeah, I I still think that they're challenged to a certain degree in the passing game. They're trying, they keep trying to make something. What's going on with Harrison Bryant, right? <laughs> Like what's what's happening there? And Amari Cooper, one catch for nine yards. No, I'm sorry, that's not a recipe for success. Your superstars have got to come through for you in a big way in a game like that. And he's a great route runner. He's gonna get open, and you've got to find him and get him the ball. I thought overall yesterday the play calling was fine. There, the screen, you know, the screen plays were there. You mentioned those, and that's the quarterbacks just got to make that those throws. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, he he's got to be able to deal with pressure. That's how screens are designed. It's about mm-hmm. allowing a bunch of O linemen to come through, and then you throw it over the top of them. So a veteran quarterback has to make those throws. Uh, there was a, a throw to DPJ that wide open. I mean, he, it was schemed up really well. Um, and Jacoby just missed him, like just threw it out of bounds. The one-on-one to Donovan Peoples-Jones, that, that was a really – so the scheme is fine. I, I will say, though, I, I do think the criticisms of what they did at the one-yard line on that series are fair. Mm-hmm. And so that's – and, you know, that's part of being a play caller. You're not always going to be perfect. Um, I, I do think they could have afforded to either hand the ball off again or – try a Jacoby Brissett sneak, you know, spread them out and try a Jacoby Brissett sneak play or, or something like that. I think some of these, some of these plays we saw, including the play call on fourth and three, those plays work with Deshaun Watson at quarterback. They might not be as effective with Jacoby Brissett at quarterback. So that that's the, that's the thing that I would quibble with. I, I did, I didn't have an issue with them going for it on that first series. I, I didn't have an issue, honestly, with a lot of the play calling, you know, whatever. The tight end end around was weird, but whatever. Sometimes those plays work and sometimes they don't. I, I did have an issue with what they did at the one yard line, but he's got to learn from it. And I think he will. And, you know, so it goes. <laughs> they they still did get points out of that drive, at least. Yeah. I mean, it, it's just so odd to get to the one on that huge play and not be able to score a touchdown after that with the offensive line they have, with, with the running backs they have. I actually thought they were very lucky uh, that, that that wasn't a turnover there, that they uh, ruled that Chubb's forward progress had stopped. And when the ball came out, uh, that that wasn't a fumble because the Atlanta defenders were certainly celebrating like they had recovered a fumble. So I thought they dodged a little bit of a bullet there. I haven't really had a chance to watch that over again a couple of times and see what that actually really looked like. 
Um, but then, then you get to, I mean, does that make you skittish on the next play? I mean, I don't know. Um, but you know, certainly, uh, to, to throw it there on, on second and one, I was, it was curious, but once again, I mean, if you, if you complete it, nobody has a problem with it, but when it goes awry and you get a holding call on it, well, then it was, you know, a, a complete and utter disaster. So, um, so yeah, some of these things did not go well, but I'll tell you what, they were still tied 10, 10. And I, I really feel strongly about this. I don't think it's how you start the game. Most of the time, I think it's how you finish the game. You need to be able to finish the game. Most games are going to come down to seven points or three points. Most games are going to do that. You've got to be able to finish the football game. A case in point, the Baltimore Ravens started beautifully yesterday. They were up 20 to three on the Bills and they did not finish the football game. As we've talked about, they're, they're struggling with their, their pass defense, but they didn't finish the game in any way, shape or form. They gave up, I think, 17 unanswered points. Yeah. And then they, they lost on a, a game winning field goal. So, you know, it, it's just, it's over, we're overstating it. What happened in the, in the first half of that game, they were tied 10, 10. You've got to go out in Atlanta against the Falcons, a team that you are better than, especially with their running back dinged up. And you, you have to find a way to win that game. And, and they didn't do it. And, you know, so actually, let's, let's just go to this question because this gets us into the discussion everyone's having today um, and something we've talked about, but we haven't necessarily directly addressed. Uh, this comes from Ken Bond, a Browns fan since 1957. Uh, hey, Mary Kay, what was the sense of drafting a kicker in the fourth round if you don't intend to use him? The Browns would be three and one. And in the driver's seat, if Stefanski did, and I've, I have just... I've seen a lot of this. I think you and I are both on the same page here that I don't have an issue if people wanted to kick there. That's fine. I understand that, but I just don't think I, I that decision didn't cost him the game. No. Like, end of story. It, it didn't. <laughs> That's it how didn't. I feel about it. No, you're so right. And I'm going to be writing some takeaways about this today or some takes on this today a little bit too, because I mean, David Njoku had a very costly fumble was not protecting the ball. Um, you know, maybe got, you know, was feeling himself a little bit after getting off to a strong start, but he was not protecting the ball well enough there. Um, and I thought he should have owned that a little bit more in his press conference today. Um, and then of course they just could not stop the run. I mean, they could not stop the run. Um, and we've talked about that, but no, that did not cost them. That did, definitely did not cost them the game. And, uh, you know, so many other things happened. And, you know, I, I know that they, um, you know, they've got to fix some things like defensively, you can't have a guy running open like that, but that wasn't even a blown coverage. I mean, that was cover three and Marcus Mariota, you know, found a, a hole in the cover three zone and hit it perfectly. And that sometimes those things are going to happen. I mean, sometimes your guy is going to hit a big play. Sometimes the guy you play, or if you don't think that's going to happen, just wait until you play Justin Herbert and just wait until you play Josh Allen. You know what I mean? Like those plays are going to happen. And it doesn't mean that every single time you give up 
a big pass in this pass oriented NFL that the defensive coordinator needs to be on the hot seat. So the, the other point too is, and, and I tweeted this out earlier today, the Browns scored 10 points because Kevin Stefanski was aggressive on fourth down. I mean, he went for it from his own 29 and then he went for it again. I forget. I don't have the, the play-by-play in front of me, but he went from it. He went for it. Kind of, it would have been a little close to punt. I think they were at their, I think they were at the um, Falcons 39 yard line, but they scored on both of those drives. So he basically, yeah. you know, he produced 10 points and, you know, had he done, had he maybe called some different plays at the goal line, it would have produced 14 points. So uh, those three points, I think it's really easy to look at the the deficit at the end. Oh, it was 23-20. You get those three points, you're tied. There's a lot that happened in the three hours between that decision and what Jacoby Brissett threw that game ending interception. I just think it's, I think it's too big of a leap to make. I do too. And, and here's the other thing that I think people might possibly for, be forgetting. I think that they really truly believed that they were going to be getting into a shootout in this game, in part because they did not have three of their, their four starting defensive linemen. They were not necessarily going to be able to set the edge and contain Marcus Mariota. They knew that he was going to be, you know, perhaps on the move, extending plays, hitting, hitting shots downfield, perhaps. Uh, this is a, it can be a quick strike, big play offense. They can take play action shots, etc. So I think the Browns really felt like they needed every single point that they could get and that threes were not going to cut it and that they should be able to score a touchdown with all the weapons that they have from the four against the 27th ranked pass defense that has some deficiencies, some holes and some weaknesses that you can exploit. And they really should have been able to and probably would have been able to had the Jacoby to Amari train been working okay. Where was that? I mean, I mean, when you only have four targets, I don't know. I mean, I know that there's it's a point of emphasis to take Amari out of the game. But, I mean, I still think you can get the ball to him more than that. Um, but, yeah, on a day when when Jacoby just doesn't have it, you're not going to be able to win a game like this. Okay, let's take a break, and then we have uh, a question about the defense on the other side. And back on the Orange and Brown Talk podcast, Zach from Talmadge. Hey, Mary Kay, I know the Browns didn't have three of their defensive linemen, but he's become very nervous about the defense. Is the zone coverage scheme too complicated? Are they over-pursuing to get the takeaways? What's the issue with the defense, and will they be able to fix it? I still think that they're a work in progress, working together back there. Remember, in this game, uh, and I don't know if it had an impact or not. We'll have to ask around a little bit more when we get back in the locker room. Uh, but they had a new defensive signal caller. Uh, so they have some moving parts back there. I, you know, I, I don't know. You know, I, I really don't know, um, you know, what the real crux of the issue was on the, on the long pass. It certainly didn't help that Denzel Ward grabbed the face mask, you know, tacking 15 yards onto that. That hurt too. But um you know, I think they'll be okay. I remember last season, everybody wanted to fire Joe Woods in the first half of the season. Miles Garrett was at calling him out at one point for strategy issues. And then by the end of the year, they had their mojo down 
and they got it together and they ended up as a top five defense. What they didn't do enough of last year was get the takeaways and they still need to do a better job of that because the Browns lost the turnover battle yesterday. And this was against an Atlanta team that had been turning the ball over. They had been making mistakes and they had been kind of bumbling around a little bit as D Orlando Ledbetter told us uh, when we interviewed him. And so I think the Browns were counting on winning the turnover battle and therefore also probably winning the game, but they lost the turnover battle. And that was also huge in this game. So I'm, I, I wish this was a, I wish people could see this. I'm watching that big pass play and mm-hmm. something weird happened. I, I don't know what. Um, I'm curious to hear explanations about it because I don't know if it was a blown coverage necessarily, but somehow there were, I'm, I have a little screen capture here where there's like five Browns defenders all in an area where there's not a Falcons player to be seen. Mm-hmm. And where there is a Falcons player, the one who caught the ball, there's no one within 10 yards of him. Right. So it's it's just stuff like that. And I that's really, really concerning when you're about to play Justin Herbert mm-hmm. and you're about to play um, Joe Burrow. And, and, the, and Lamar Jackson thrives on those broken plays like that one where Marcus Mariota escaped pressure and found a receiver open like Lamar Jackson thrives on that stuff. Mm-hmm. So they've, they've got to get this fixed and they've got to, they've got to figure it out quick. And, may, and maybe, you know, look, if Clowney's in on that play or if Garrett's in on that play, maybe Mariota's on the ground before he even has a chance to throw it. Maybe it is right. that simple. Right. I mean, you know, I saw someone tweet yesterday. Oh, I don't think it would have made much difference if Miles Garrett and Jadavian Clowney <laughs> would have played. Hello. <laughs> Excuse me. Uh, how many Pro Bowls do we have there? Seven, something like that. You know, two number one overall picks, two guys that can set the edge, contain the quarterback, keep him from, you know, getting out and running around and doing whatever he wants to do or putting extreme pressure on him so uh, that you get him off of his mark and he cannot make a good throw. Absolutely 100%. They would have impacted the game in a huge way. I'm calling it right now. Miles plays that game and Jadavian plays that game. The Browns win that football game. There's just no two ways about it in my mind. Even with Jacoby struggling, I think they would have stepped up defensively and they would not have let what happened in the second half happen. I really don't think so. Um, So there's that. But yes, it was um, not a blown coverage. It was they were in a cover three. And when we asked Kevin Stefanski about it today, he said there was a technique issue. I tried to get Sione Takitaki to elaborate on it a little bit, because I think, you know, I've talked to a couple of people and they said, you know, maybe there could have been some linebacker help there. Um, but he didn't really go into great detail. He just kind of, uh, you know, uttered the party line too, about, you know, there was, there were some technique technique issues. A couple of guys might have a bit on the play fake there, but when you have a quarterback that can extend plays and starts to scramble and stuff like that, you can end up having a situation like that where there's a big old hole there. And that is what happened. And it was it was not pretty, but it was not a lack of communication or a completely blown coverage like we saw in a couple of the other games. I think I'd almost rather it just be a blown coverage, though. 
Yeah. In in a weird way, I'd almost rather it just I'd almost rather somebody just say, hey, you know what? This was a blown coverage. They messed up. Yeah. Uh, it's it, almost more concerning the, the other way around. <laughs> yeah, it wasn't that. In fact, you know, by the time we talked to the coordinators on Thursday, it feels like old news to be asking about uh, the previous game. But the truth of the matter is you do want answers to some of those things so that, you know, everybody can understand why it's not going to happen again. So I think, you know, hopefully we'll remember to, um, you know, to ask Joe Woods what happened on that. And how do you prevent it from happening again? Because as you mentioned, once teams see that on film, that you are vulnerable in that situation, uh, they'll try to do the exact same thing and hurt you with that again. Uh, let's see. Columbus Big Dog in Columbus, Ohio. Hey, Mary Kay, is it just bad luck to lose these games within grasp or is there a systemic problem that needs to be addressed? Really good question. I think it's a really, really good question. I, I think that this was a game in which, uh, you know, just there were a number of things that just didn't go well. There were a number of breakdowns. Uh, once again, as I mentioned before, uh, I, I think if you have your two star defenders in the game, completely different game. I mean, when you have an edge setter like Jadavian Clowney, who is possibly if not the best at that in the NFL, then one of the best, one of the premier edge setters in the NFL, um, that changes the game. I mean, they had young guys up front. So, you know, so there was that. And then once again, Jacoby Brissett. If Jacoby was just on the way that he was in the previous two weeks, if he was just having a good day, you probably win the game. If Miles and Jadavian are there, you probably win the game. So in my mind, those were really two of the biggest things. I still think, though, I I just think you have to beat the Atlanta Falcons. That's like I like I agree. It's it's probably a different game with not probably it is a different game with those two guys. But at the same time, uh, you you got to just go beat the Atlanta Falcons. I, I mean, even without those two guys, you are a more talented team across the board. Outside of Grady Jarrett, you're a more talented team at almost every other position on, on the football field, and and you've just you got to beat that team. Well, you know what, Dan, Arthur Smith is a smart coach and he identified what it was going to take and they just ran the ball. They made I mean, they made the halftime adjustments that they needed to make. Corderell Patterson was at halftime had only 30 some yards. I think it was 32 yards or something. And they knew it wasn't working. They knew that it wasn't working, but he also knew uh, that his quarterback was struggling. And so they had to come up with a different plan. And Corderell Patterson had only 25 yards at, at halftime. So that wasn't getting it done. The quarterback wasn't getting it done. Uh, so they absolutely knew uh, that they had to come up with a better plan. They still wanted to attack the weakness of the Browns defense. That's what they wanted to do. They wanted to attack the weakness of the Browns defense, which they felt was going to be the running game without three of their top four defensive linemen. So even though it wasn't working in the first half, they stuck the heck with it and rushed for, they ended up with over 200 yards rushing. So they got, they only had 30 in the first half. So what, 170 some in the second half total. 
132. Yeah, it was, just, it was something like that. I, I wrote it last night. I can't remember the exact number, but yeah, it was it was a lot. <laughs> yeah, in the second half. So, that, I mean, that's what they did. That is what they did. And the Browns did try to exploit the weakness of the Atlanta Falcons pass defense, but that did not work. And when that did not work, they probably should have relied more on Nick Chubb, Kareem Hunt, and gone back to basics and gone back to the to the ground game. But um yeah, it just um this this was a dud and and I think that they got I think they did get out coached and outplayed. Yeah, I think that's and look, some of this this is what we do. We always play the result, right? The result matters. Did you win or lose? Obviously we're not praising Arthur Smith today if the Browns figure out a way to get a game tying field goal and win in overtime. But the Brown that didn't happen. So you know what you just said, Arthur Smith like figured it out with a practice squad running back and a team that pretty much across the board is less talented than the team they were playing. And the Browns, for whatever reason, just weren't able to to figure that out. And that doesn't mean that we're saying Kevin's fancy is a bad coach or that he's getting fired or anything like that, or even that he needs to give up play calling. It's just, that's what happened yesterday. And they, they, they got to get it fixed fast because this schedule is not going to be kind to them. And I was also thinking about this too. The Bengals and Ravens have only played the Jets of these four teams that they're all playing. Mm-hmm. They've each only played the Jets and they won that game. So they've kind of got those games in pocket a little bit. Mm-hmm. You know, they still get to play the Falcons. They still get to play, uh, who am I forgetting? The Steelers. Now, there's no guarantee that they'll win those games, obviously, especially the division games, but you know, it's just, it, it's a real missed opportunity to be sitting at two and two after four games. Yeah, it, it really, it really is. This was definitely a missed opportunity. And that is why uh, yesterday when Doug asked me in the post-game podcast, uh, who did I pin a lot of the blame on? I actually did put uh, a lot of it on Miles Garrett's shoulders. And of course, as Doug pointed out, the the reigning thought is, thank God he's okay. Right. And thank God he walked away from that accident and that his passenger also did and that he didn't bust his uh, biceps tendon because he would have been lost for the entire season. But there is something to be said for comporting yourself in a way where you remain available for your football team and that you are making smart decisions in all aspects of your life so that you can be there and answer the bell. And we don't even know for sure if he's going to be able to play against the Chargers yet. We don't know. When we asked Kevin Stefanski about that today, he said, let's get to Wednesday and see how it goes. He's got a sprained shoulder. Maybe he'll be able to play, but maybe he won't be able to play. And that's a big football game coming up. That is a big AFC game coming up. And you don't want to be without Miles Garrett. And even if he does play, Is he going to be 100% himself? Is he going to go out there and try to play with that shoulder and find out halfway through the game that it it's, he's not up to it. He can't pull it off. You know, I mean, this, you know, that was a, that was a big deal. And I, you know, I just, I just think that when, you know, when we write the wrap up of this season, I think that is going to going to loom large. And and that's a vulnerable chargers team right now too. Mm-hmm. You know, Herbert's Herbert's banged up. Bose is out. 
they're they're still figuring some things out. I mean, there's questions about their coach. I, you know, that that's a vulnerable team. They're incredibly talented, but you know, they got to travel. They got to play that game in Cleveland. So, I, I mean, I think you're right, and it does kind of boil down to we know he's okay. He obviously survived. He walked away. And and it does become a football discussion. And I think it's perfectly fair to say, you know, he didn't slip on a wet spot in the, on, you know, in his kitchen, you know, he has a history of driving recklessly and dangerously. And now he's not on the football field because of it. And thank, and thankfully that's the worst thing, right? Obviously, you know, thankfully that's the worst thing that happened is that he's just not on the football field because of it, but it is, it, I think it has to be discussed. Yeah, it does have to be discussed. And I mean, we, you know, everybody thinks the world of, of Miles Garrett. I mean, he, you know, he is held up on a pedestal, uh, you know, at times he seems beyond reproach, but it is a fair discussion to have that, you know, that he was not there for his football team on Sunday because he was doing something that he shouldn't have been doing and that he might not be there again on Sunday against the chargers. And, um, you know, you would hate to have this come down to one game for making the playoffs or not making the playoffs and look back to to this one and think, geez, what could have been? Your starting quarterback isn't with your team either for the first 11 games. It's, it's, a, it's a different discussion, but it's just, you know, you put this team together to try to win and now you don't have maybe your two best players. No mm-hmm. disrespect to Nick Chubb. But just positional, positionally, those those are your two best players, and and they're not available right now. We'll we'll see with Miles on Sunday. Yeah, absolutely, and uh, yeah, we don't know yet. But uh, if you're bringing up Deshaun Watson, I mean, my goodness, he will be back in the building on October 10th, one week. week from today. Can you even believe? As we're taping this, one week from today, he will be back in the building. It's not going to be long now before he is back on the football field. It goes, these seasons go so fast. Once you get into the season, I mean, it's like, boom, boom, boom. You know, you have the routine and the Sundays just keep coming at you. And uh, he's going to be there on that football field before long. But October 10th, one week from today, he will be able to participate in weight training and team meetings, not practiced yet with the team, but he will be back around this football team. And it's going to get really interesting. Yeah, it's um, something else that this coaching staff gets to juggle. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> but uh, we'll see how that happens. One more bit of news as we were um, as we were on this podcast. It's not like significant news, but it kind of feels like significant news just because uh, Andrew Barry has waived his first ever draft pick. Richard LeCount is has been waived. Drew Forbes is back. So he waived one of his own draft picks for a John Dorsey pick. Uh, but Drew Forbes, the Browns, Waved him. He got claimed by the Lions. Now he's back with the Browns. And Richard LeCount uh, becomes the first Andrew Berry draft pick to be waived. Probably ends up back on the practice squad, I would imagine. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, just a little piece of news here on a Tuesday. Yeah, I mean, I would agree with you. You know, we all, uh, every time we get uh, hear somebody's waved like this, you think, oh, you're never going to see this guy again. And then you show up for work the next day and there he is walking down the hallway <laughs> and they, so they do end, end up back on the practice squad. Sometimes these are just moves that you have to make uh, to get the bookkeeping right. And, uh, and then before you know it, he's back out uh, playing special teams against the chargers. So I don't think it's a huge deal. Uh, I don't think it means that 
Um, I don't think it's the first time Andrew Barry is giving up on a draft pick. I think it's like a bookkeeping move. Yeah, I I do wonder what kind of prompted them bringing in another guard, but whatever, we'll figure it all out. <laughs> yes, we will. But uh, and also credit to DeAnthony Bell who made the roster and apparently has done enough to to merit being that fourth safety. So uh, good for him, an undrafted guy. All right, that'll do it for the Hey Mary Kay edition of the Orange Brown Talk podcast. All those questions came from our football insider subscribers, cleveland.com slash browns, the blue banner at the top of the page to get that newsletter, become a texter, and of course, access to exclusive stories on cleveland.com slash browns. And make sure you're subscribed to our podcast wherever you listen, Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Mary Kay, I'll talk to you later. Sounds great.